Genuine Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. Today with us, with me and Clayton, we got our principal, Mr. Lipke. So, Clayton, Thanks for the pass. Um, We'd like to apologize, but we're not going to be able to record it. I know some students wanted to see Lipke jump around or play Mario Kart with us or do something of the sorts, but unfortunately he won't be able to do that today because we messed up again with the the technical side of it. But Mr. Lakey, how are you doing? Very good. It's been a busy week. Yeah, it's been a really busy week. Yeah, looking forward to spring break, I can tell you that. How much of a spring break do you get, though, as an administrator? I'm taking all of it this year. Um, I'm leaving at 1 o'clock in the morning Thursday night Mm -hmm. uh, to drive to Destin with my family. So uh, we will be visiting my godparents down in Nashville, Tennessee and spending Friday night there and then off to Destin, which is in the panhandle. So we can get some quality family time and beach time. I don't. We don't get enough family time, and so we really want to make that a priority this year for us. In past years, do you usually not get a spring break? No, you- I I do. Um, it, truth be told, it's hard not to think about work when you're not at work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that, quite honestly, I struggle with is the work life balance at times. But mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to be more mindful of that as my kids get older. That I'm realizing uh, I don't got much more time left with them, so I want to make a count. How old are your kids, actually? I've got a freshman here at the high school, mm-hmm. um, and Evan is going to be 16 this this July. Ryan is a seventh grader and will be 13 in less than a month. And then I have Hannah, who is five years old and will be starting kindergarten next year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, got them all over the place. I was going to say, because I went to elementary school with your kids. Yeah. But I don't think I ever knew that you had a daughter. I did. Yeah, my wife and I, um, my wife miscarried twice in between. Okay. And so we, we kind of were blessed just with two, and then we had a surprise along the way, and it's been the best thing ever. Are you uh, are you a crier? When like when they get to the age, I just had my last band concert, right? And um, my dad, he sat there, and he was, it's the, it was our last like complete black, like formal band yeah. concert. Yeah. And he came out of the theater, he was like, I just like... I, I don't understand. I start crying in the middle of your first song because I just realized that I won't be able to watch it again. Uh-huh. Is that going to be you on like graduation day? I don't know. Um, I uh, I cry when I really care about things, or but with my kids, I, I don't know if I'll celebrate. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if I'll celebrate those milestones that way or not. Um, I kind of take with each day, you know, that there's always more days along with it, and. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, it, it'll be interesting. I haven't had those. I didn't cry when any of my kids were born or anything like that. But uh, I'm just, again, being very thankful and blessed. But maybe I don't show that emotion that way. But it's good that your dad does, honestly. That's cool. Yeah, I was I at the concert last night. It was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, it was very good. The uh, Korean ensemble. Folk song. Uh, variations on a Korean folk song. That was definitely by far my favorite. That was your favorite one? Really good. I'm surprised you, you memorized the um, the name of it. Do you go to a lot of the school functions, just even if you aren't included, like don't have kids in them? Yeah, or? I, I try to. I think that's an important part to being a high school principal is being involved in our kids' lives and showing that we care outside of it. Um, again, that's a work-life balance, if you think about it. Think of the, all the activities that we have each and every week. Um, I make sure that I attend at least every season's sporting event, whether it's a track meet, a soccer game, at least a minimum of one, if not two. And then I try to do my best at least half of the concert series when it comes to our drama and arts and theater things. Mm-hmm. I try to do that as well, even though my kids aren't necessarily involved with it. I think it's the right thing to do to support our kids in our community. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite? Nolan and I, we talked about this a lot. We don't want to throw you under the bus. Yeah. Is there anything here and make you start picking favorites? Throw, throw um, Asking you questions like, who's your favorite teacher in the, yeah. in the school? But um, <laughs> do you have like a favorite 
thing that you like to attend? It's probably is it like football games? You know, um, the theater. Everything is different. I was in drama and theater productions in high school, and not many people know that. And I was in choir department and in vocal jazz, and we. I was on the, in the show choir. We don't have a show choir. I used to be in a sequin vest and dance and <laughs> sing around with my partner. Um, I, I really love the drama and theater. I wish I could. I, I could say that you know that's my favorite. It's. I don't. I, I just like seeing kids shine in what they are passionate about, mm-hmm. and our job as leaders in this district, whether it's a building principal or our staff, is to create opportunities for kids to be their personal best. This podcast is a great example, right? Like mm-hmm. you guys came to us and talked about it, and why wouldn't I support something that you're interested in and being able to learn and grow in? Um. That being said, like, can we continue in the fourth term? Yeah, I have no problem with that. I think I green-lighted you as long as I get to play a little Mario Kart every now and then. That's perfect. Okay. We have 30-minute episodes coming uh-huh. up, like, very uh, next term. Better yet. I bet we can set it up. Better yet. We're going to have, like, little little Catan moments where we play Catan with some mm-hmm. of the guys. I've heard and... that. I've played that one time, and I'd really like to try that again sometime. Oh, my gosh. Join us. Yeah, five-person Catan. Okay. Nolan, right. do you have anything you want to segue into while I check some of the stuff out over here? Yeah, I guess... Could you kind of go more into your high school history? Like, did you enjoy it? Where'd you go? Kind of your experience? Yeah. Um, I think everybody's put on a path for one reason or another. If somebody were to ask me if I was ever uh, going to be a high school principal at your age, there would have never been a chance that I would have considered this. In fact, um, I didn't – my high school years were a struggle, to be blunt and honest. I did not – um, open books and study for tests. I showed up to school every day. I was a good compliant kid. I didn't do my personal best. Um, I was engaged in activities and things. On the other hand of it, though, I had some family trauma that was occurring at that time. And then, um, regrettably, I, I was a, um, I'd lost three friends in high school, um, two due to suicide and and one due to an accident. And so for me, that was a really challenging time between the ages of 14 and close to almost 20 for, for me to process that. And, and, uh, I would, I've stood in front of our entire district staff and talked about how high school essentially saved my life. Um, if I wasn't involved in all of those things outside of the classroom, it was not the classroom that grabbed me and pulled me it was all the other things that high schools offer um it definitely would it definitely saved my life there's no doubt about it and I feel like for me being uh, a non-traditional student I grew up in a household where my dad was a truck driver and over the road quite a bit uh, when I was young so I didn't have that male mentor as much as maybe I would have liked to my mom worked part-time and tried to take care of my brother and I and I didn't come from a means of a lot of money. And so by the age of 14, I was already working and kind of paying my own way on just about everything I was doing and trying to balance things. Um, And I think that made me a better principal now to understand where kids from diverse backgrounds come from. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know what it feels like to be depressed. I know what it feels like to be anxious. I know what it feels like to... Uh, not have all the money in the world or worry about where, where things are going to come when dad's laid off. Um, and so for me, if I'm being honest, I think our high school does a phenomenal job in taking care of my rule followers, it takes care of my kids. The majority of my kids who can fall in line to what a typical 
public high school does, which is puts kids on a path to success, typically for a secondary form of institution or education like tech college or college. I think our school does an awesome job with that. Um, I think we have a lot of work to do on all the other groups of our students, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really why I feel I'm in the role that I'm at, um, is to serve all students still, um, but to really take care of our kids who sometimes people don't talk to in our lunchroom or people don't say hi to in the hall, or uh, we know something's going on, but we're afraid to address it as students. And I, I also rationalize that sometimes some of our students aren't mature enough yet to understand that. Mm-hmm. or to see that because they're in their own kind of world as it is. Um, but everybody, what I know in, as a building principal now, doesn't matter whether it's my kid in Troyburn, whether it's my kid in Cud Court or anywhere in between, everybody's got something to share and mm-hmm. a story to share, and we just need to be more opening to listening to it. Right. You mentioned that high school saved your life. Do you think that, I know you kind of went into this, do you think that our high school at its current point kind of has that same power? that same connectivity to students? Do you feel like there's a connection between students and a sense of community at their high school? Or like, do you think that's kind of been lost? And I don't know, I'd like to connect it to the shadowing program that's about, yeah. that's about to occur. And I don't know if that's uh, just more of a personal interest thing, if somebody wants to be more involved. It's between um, students and teachers, correct? I'm going to try to lead by example and do it first. My hope is that others jump on board. I, I, I've, I hope our teachers do. I've asked our teachers to, and I know how busy they are and, you know, to put together a sub to follow a kid around, mm-hmm. um, not always as easy to do, but we have to find a way to see, we're never going to see it through your eyes fully, but mm-hmm. we have to try to make attempts to know what our high school is and, and all about now. I think our, we do have a solid community that helps kids. I don't think it's perfect by any means. I don't think there's any perfect school that takes care of all kids. Mm-hmm. I think we do do a better job than most. And I think it's tough for us to see what we do um, as a school when you live it every day and you breathe it every day. And until you leave it or until you go somewhere else, you realize some of the things that you take for granted here at River Falls High School that not other kids get that opportunity to have. Um, I hear that through feedback through kids who leave our school and still stay in touch with me and say, gosh, I really miss River Falls High School. Mm -hmm. I hear that from kids who come to our school and say, our school was never like this, and I'm so glad that I'm here now. But it doesn't mean that we're perfect by any means, and we've got a lot of work to do. Um, You know, we're talking about equity today. I'm I'm missing a meeting, and, and Mrs. Gretz has it covered well. And we're doing equity training with our staff and just learning on how can a school like ours be equitable for all students? Does every kid in our school feel comfortable? I can honestly say no, they don't. But it's our job to get better at that. Is that a focal point kind of equity? Because I met, yep. I was just in Mr. Silver's office yesterday. I was talking to him about technical stuff. And I saw that little poster too. I don't know if he's attending the meeting as well. He's he part might. of our equity committee as a, at a district level. It's one of our fundamental tenets and goals moving forward. Um, we know through surveying our students and asking our students feedback that my traditionally marginalized students that we're talking about me per se, when I was mm-hmm. in high school in the mid nineties, um, who either are non-white, I'll just flat out bluntly say it come from non-traditional or broken households, low socioeconomic status or other things from trauma overall, um, aren't feeling as connected as they should or could here. 
And so our job then to serve those students, just like we serve all of our students, is to find better ways to connect with those students. Um, that's what our fo- one of our main focuses on. Um, kids, we don't we can't worry about student achievement. Everybody in some cases is you guys are at one point in your life, even last year, were worried about your ACT scores. I hope you're not worried about it as much now, knowing where you're headed. Um, the moment I give you a diploma in June. Um, that really won't matter anymore. It'll matter. What, what matters is what's next. Some of our kids, though, you know, we we focus on achievement, achievement, achievement. They can't focus on achievement in their classrooms. They can't be successful in their classrooms if they're worried about what's happening at home with mom or dad, mm-hmm. or taking care of two or three siblings at home um, because mom and dad are working second or third shift. We don't think that way all the time. We assume everybody's life is like ours, and that's not the case. And so we need to find ways to support those students more then they can be academically successful too and maybe be a first-generation high school graduate. Maybe mom and dad aren't high school graduates or they can be a first-generation college graduate like I was. My parents didn't go and finish college. Um, That's where I believe we have to head in education now, immediately, and there's an urgency to do that. Mm. I was going to ask if it was more focused on students that have grown up in the district and have been experiencing those things, like they've been here since elementary school and – teachers have just picked up on it or tried to shift attention towards them or if it was more a, like an open arms things like we're River Falls High School, we're open to that. Like it's safe to send your students here yeah. and that's something that we offer. And I don't know, is the school kind of trying to broaden its horizons with like students that's accepting or is it trying to focus on no, the problems within it right now? Definitely broadening. Okay. I don't know if you know, 10% of our student body right here at this high school is open enrolled. 10% of our students are choosing River Falls High School over their home districts because of some of the things that we're doing. Some of our open enrolled families or families who decide even to move to River Falls are thinking that our district might solve all of those things. And that's not always the case, Um, but it's our job to be a part of it and be a part of the solution. Um, So it's a, it's a, it's a great place to be. The more and more I'm here, this is my 18th year. There's no other place I'd rather be. There, mm-hmm. there really isn't in terms of serving students, uh, our staff, or our community. I can't see myself anywhere else. What year is this as an administrator? Uh, Twelve total, six as the building administrator. So I was an assistant principal for six years prior. Oh, you were? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Before your time, when you were in, you know, in fourth was, or fifth grade. Yeah, I was too young yeah. to even recognize. All I could think about was Mr. Johnson at the middle school, mm-hmm. who my brother had, yep. and then it switched over to Chapin. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was the principal before you? Dr. Bauman. Dr. Elaine Bauman was the principal here for at least 10 or 11 years, and I served under served with her as an assistant principal. Mr. Johnson actually was an assistant principal here uh, for a few years with Dr. Bauman. And then uh, before that, it was Sharon Cabes, Dr. Sharon Cabes. Uh, she hired me as a teacher and coach in 2001, was my first year here. Mm-hmm. Do you have a like a broader plan personally, like you mentioned Dr. Bowman, do you plan mm-hmm. on going back to school at all or maybe I do. stepping up, uh, not maybe not superintendent, but not staying as a principal I, for the rest of your time as an administrator? Um, I know, I know I want to educate myself further and I probably will start some courses this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, regrettably the last, uh, six or so years in this new principalship, I haven't found the right balance to take to car out time to, between family time and work right now to learn more and take 
college coursework. My goal is to do that this year and, and wade into the water of starting a doctorate program. Um, not for the sake of be, being known as Dr. Lidke. I would never ask for that, and nor would I want to be called that. Um, I'm, it's not about titles. It's about learning and growing. And if I'm not leading by example as a building leader here for our staff to continue to grow and develop and learn and for our students to grow and lo- develop and learn, then I'm in the wrong job. Mm-hmm. Um, I learn and grow and develop differently right now through listening to podcasts of educators who um, I appreciate or participating in Twitter chats through different national chats, going to conferences and things. But I feel like I'm, I, I need more and I need to get back into it. But this is going to remain your home district. Yeah, I don't have any intentions of going anywhere, especially with my kids uh, loving this district. I got a home here. Uh, my wife works in the district at the middle school. So I, there's no urgency for us to, to move beyond. I can't tell you what it looks like three and five years from now. I think I know I want to be a leader of deeper systematic change at a district level at some point in my career. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very nervous about losing this, which is having just awesome relationships with kids. I don't want to be a guy in an office removed from kids. That's too scary for me right now. How do you think it's going to open up as like, cause we're getting a new assistant principal, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. that's adding on. We're An not, it's not, yeah, it's not yeah. like we're substituting somebody. Yeah. What kind of opportunities that can open up for not only you, but just the school in general and like management. Cause it's going to be just dividing the current labors upon another yeah. person. So the main goal for us to hire an, another assistant principal is is student-centered but really starts with our staff. Um, we were sitting in assistant principal's interviews yesterday and I talk about um, I love my wife. My wife understands what this job demands of me. Um, but if I were to come home every night at 9 o'clock at night from work, I don't believe her – I think her patience would wear thin, right? It wouldn't be mm-hmm. a healthy marriage. Far too often in the last few years with our growth and things, I, I feel like we have, I don't want to say taken for granted, but not ha- have not supported our teachers to be their personal best. And that's the main intention of hiring this assistant principal is so that our assistant, our administrative team can better support our teachers to be better teachers and better people and better in their practices so that they then have a direct influence on our students. That's a real intention. It's not like, oh, gosh, we got all these discipline issues. There's more of that. It's none of that. It's just, again, like you said, redesigning and being more efficient with our time. So now we really feel like we want to help our teachers learn and grow to be better teachers so that they're better in front of our students. I think that's like one thing that the high school, I don't know what the screening process is, teacher to teacher. Yeah. But something that this high school gets right a lot of the time is having those teachers that students just feel like they can connect to. Yeah. And that's been a positive thing. I know it's been said on the podcast before. It's like this teacher I've just had a really good relationship with. And like, what's the, what's the process that you guys choose? Cause obviously this district has a knack for choosing teachers that yeah. are just able to connect with students on a, like basic level. Truthfully, I could care less what school they go to and what program they're in. Um, I could care less of whether they know classroom management when they're first a brand new teacher. What I care most about is do they relate well with kids? Do they want to serve others? Do they have high content, character, and integrity? Um, Those are the intangibles. Are they optimistic or pessimistic? Are they, um, I can't, I cannot, influence those things those things are either inherent or they're not 
I can teach somebody to be a better teacher in terms of classroom management or brush them up on content and curriculum. I cannot teach those intangibles. And so we purposefully look flat out for just great people um, and everything else we'll worry about later. We're patient with some people that need to grow and learn. But if I know they're a great person, I'm going to invest everything I can in them. And the process, was that like for the interviewing process for a teacher, would that be like a pod of teachers in that um, area of education would then that subject would come in and like find out how they feel about the teacher as well? Or is it the final decision on administrators in the school? The final decision lays on us, but we are transparent through the whole process. So I'll use the assistant principal job as an example. Um, We set up a selection committee of staff first just to screen our applicants. Mm -hmm. We wanted their input. Yesterday, we had two full panels of parents. Nolan's dad was a part of it. Um, and, and community members, school board members, teachers, central office administrators. We had 23 people on two panels. We had a panel of 12, and we had a panel of 11. And, the, and we put, put our new APs potentially through the, the grinder, so to speak. We need them to be able to share their story and know their why. And get really right down to brass tacks of why do they want to be here at River Falls High School. Um, That was a whole different set of people. Our APs tomorrow um, are coming back and presenting to our whole staff. Our whole staff has to buy in and feel supported by this person too. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we really want to embrace that. I was sick Monday. I was supposed to set up student kind of uh, tours. We didn't get a chance to do that, um, but normally we have student input in that too because our kids know when somebody's fake mm-hmm. and that when they when somebody's genuine, and and so um, we usually incorporate that as well as a part of it. What are the um the we have the university here today, don't we? I Past have, couple days. Uh, this week we have university student teachers, so their first or second year students thinking about or considering the world of education as a profession and a career. So we give them building tours. They come in and they sit in classrooms and see it from a different lens because they're a little bit now removed from high school and they're understanding and knowing what they want to do. And so uh, we invest that time, and that's a great partnership with the university for sure. Has that been something that's gone on past years? I don't remember. It's at least the last two, if not three years that we've done that. and again, that's us being a good partner and neighbor with, it's a blessing to have a university in town. Not every yeah. high school gets mm-hmm. that, right? You guys have so many opportunities to take college courses there as students here because it's right in your backyard. No different than CVTC. Uh, where I grew up, that wasn't going to be an option. If you grew up in um, other parts of the state of Wisconsin, that would never be an option. So again, those are those little things that I think sometimes students don't understand and know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and or appreciate at, at what we're able to offer. Yeah, because I know that at least the video production of this high school, we don't have a huge program, right. amount of programs that deal with it, but the ones that we do have, I know um, Leonard and Thompson were talking about getting together with CBTC and trying to make those college credit or college level courses following that kind of curriculum yeah. just to give kids that kind of head start. And I don't know, like what what do you see? Are there changes that could come from the relationship? Do you want to be like have a tighter bond with the colleges in the area yeah. and eventually turn this high school into almost something that offers more college opportunities? Because I yeah. feel like just education in general it reaches a higher tier just as years go on. Like more is expected, and maybe it causes more stress, which is also a problem. But 
Yeah. It's also like giving kids those higher opportunities also gets the people that maybe don't want to spend all their time here that mm-hmm. those opportunities that they want. Agreed. Uh, I couldn't agree more with that. We got to turn high school up on its head and shake all the junk out and get back to what we really want, which is inspiring students to be their own independent learners and finding their passions and finding what their personal bests are. Um, six years ago, we had three transcripted credits with CVTC. I think now we have over 12 or more classes. Wow. You know, Six years ago, again, our team, we looked at it. Kids were saving maybe $8,000 a semester in tuition. I just got a credit agreement that our kids saved over $140,000 last semester <laughs> in credits. Wow. Um, six years ago, 10 to 12 kids maybe at best were taking a class over at the university and college, and now I think we have well over 30 or 40. Um, next year, a, a nice little surprise that we're working with the pilot on University of River Falls is, is uh, if a teacher here has a master's in their content area, mm-hmm. we can accredit our teacher here to be licensed to, t- to um, have college coursework. And so right now we're working it out with a teacher in our math department and a teacher in our language arts department um, and creating a memorandum of understanding that if, let's say, a student takes Mrs. Papelka's uh, calculus class automatically counts for UW system credit and Calc 1 credit. If they take AP calculus, they don't have to worry about the AP Calc BC exam anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll get Calc 2 credit. Nice. Um, we're working on that, and, and that's kind of in its infancy stages. Kids will still have to make a choice because they'll have to pay a little bit to get that tuition, but it'll be at a third of the cost. So if a student wants to take calculus next year, um, they can earn it as Calc 1 credit, but they'll have to pay only $100 per credit for that. And that'll save parents and families and students a lot of money if and when they're going off to Madison or Iowa State or here in town or Eau Claire. doesn't matter. That credit's going to transfer universally. So we're really proud of that. We're the only school in this region right now that's developing that partnership. Um, and we got to do a lot more of it because it's right for kids. That um, The master's cooperation, do you feel like that's something that You'd want to incorporate like maybe one in every area, in every subject, or would you want like multiple teachers eventually reach it as like a new average? In a perfect perfect world, it would be great if we had every teacher, you know, at that level. There are some incentive grants that we're, our teachers are now getting their tuition, their master's tuition paid for so that they can get their master's in math or in language arts or in social sciences. And so we have seven teachers now participating and actually going back to get their master's in their content area Mm -hmm. so that our kids can then benefit from that even more. So it's an awesome time to be in education, in my opinion. Uh, It's moving at a pace that I'm extremely comfortable with and excited to be a part of because it benefits kids. Nolan, they really have a knack for implementing all the cool stuff as soon as 2019 leaves the school. Like our coffee shop, maybe. Next the coffee year. shop, yeah. all of the upgrades to the elementary schools came yeah. in. And yeah. It's as soon as we leave. We get out of there, teachers retire. Yeah. All of the new money is spent. Yeah. Referendums are passed. It's not intentional. It's just, it, but uh, when the timing presents itself, you got to go after it, right? Like you got to mm-hmm. go get it when you can. So we're trying to do our best with what we have when we have it. Right. Nolan, you're pretty quiet. You got to get involved here, man. I know. Clayton's taking up all the <laughs> I know. You can do the whole outro. We got about two and a half minutes left of just time before the break. All right. I have a question kind of going back to like more of you. If you weren't a principal, what would you have gone into or what would you be doing? Um, one of my stress relievers 
I, I love to cook. And, and uh, I have a cousin who uh, is a chef and manages a ton of different restaurants. She's on Guy's Grocery Game. She does her own little travel show and stuff. Um, a lot of our – my grandfather owned a supper club. Um, I really love food. Uh, whenever I travel, we will – I'm a foodie by nature and um, I'll try things at home and I love the, the more creative and the more complicated it is. It, it's a challenge for me. So when I go home, honestly, the, I love to make supper. I love to try to do those things. And I, I'm a geek when it comes to that. I know it wouldn't be healthy for me to start my own restaurant because I would never be home. Um, I'm a perfectionist at the same time. And that's a problem that I have my type A personality. I know my strengths and weaknesses. Um, if you really want to be honest of where I was going to be at, if I didn't get this principal job uh, six years ago, my brother is in the brewery industry, and we were going to open up our own brewery together. So there's a little curveball tidbit for you that I also brew my own beer on occasion. Um, I haven't done it in six years because I have no time on my hands right now. Um, but I loved the creative aspect of that too and seeing people enjoy you making something and I, I love seeing that it's the service mentality that I have of whether I see a kid that comes up that I never would have thought I got in a thank you from here as a building principal or a hug from a parent and said, thanks so much. I didn't know if my kid was going to make it through high school mm -hmm. or whether it's me serving, I don't know, prime rib to friends and guests that we have over and they're happy and they think it's the best meal ever. Those are the things that I get gratification from is seeing other people being happy. Mm -hmm. Good question. Could you uh, make school lunches for all of us? <laughs> I'm, here's what I'm trying to do. So our, our exchange, one of our exchange students has got the, like 60,000 Instagram followers and was like oh, a yeah. celebrity chef over in Europe. I said, uh, I want to do a celebrity like beat Bobby Flay kind of throwdown <laughs> thing and then sell tickets for kids or parents or other people to come in and see which, which may the best chef win, so to speak. Wow. I got some mad knife skills. I ain't gonna lie to you. That's why she's so popular. She's yeah. Uh, she won some. Uh, she she won a national or a European cooking championship. Oh my gosh! Like we got a celebrity in her mix, and we don't even know it. I thought she was just like a social media influencer. No, I didn't think. Uh -huh. No, we gotta we gotta get her on the show, and we gotta talk that through. Yeah, that's the that's what we gotta replace. Uh, the uh, what is it? The guys' talent show. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Oh, RFHS. Oh, Mr. RFHS. Yeah, that's a little beat Bobby Flay with. Yeah, Mr. Lidkey. Yeah, it'd be fun. Oh, I would buy tickets for that. Right, you mm -hmm. get you get food. You 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 could do some food and drink kind of pairings and stuff. It'd yeah. be a great fundraiser to give away. Maybe we could bring back Mr. RFHS too. Probably mm -hmm. not. We can talk about that uh, in the next session if you want. <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right, we're gonna take a short break and then we'll be back in about a few seconds. See you guys. Welcome back. I guess welcome back for us, but <laughs> thanks for continuing to listening. But uh, during the break, we kind of talked about uh, the censorship on the Chromebooks. So, Lucky, you want to kind of bring that up? Because I know that's kind of a big question at the high school, and people kind of complain a lot about that. Yeah. Um, truth, truth be told, I, I think we got to trust our kids. Um, I'm not the, and I don't sit in my office and uh, like, connive and scheme to to block spotify um <laughs> in fact when kids started texting me and letting me know that spotify was blocked that was honestly my number one priority of the day is to ask the question why 
So we have a tech team and a tech director that does certain things. And sometimes what happens in our district, remember, we're one-to-one throughout the whole district. Um, We're learning and growing in technology with our kids. And if I'm not, I, I wouldn't be lying if I'm not worried about the amount of screen time adolescents have or the exposure that they have. I think even our kids know that. I think some of our kids would readily admit they have screen addiction issues, whether it's video games, stuff on online or whatever it is. Our tech team is trying to navigate that. Um, and when kids let me know that something's blocked that I agree shouldn't be blocked, we take care of it. Um, YouTube's funny. I, I don't know why some things are or not. It's our management system. Um Again, truth be told, I think we have to trust our kids more than we do at times, but I also understand how we're growing and learning together. So if kids have issues, if kids have concerns, they know where to find me, either in the office. Um, I'm happy to help. I'm uh, Again, I serve our students, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. I'm always willing to listen, and I can always provide a why maybe as to why something is or isn't available to students. Where did that initial... That, that initial push to like start blocking things come from was that from teachers and administrators within the school that are seeing kids you know not paying it was a big problem kids not paying attention just being plugged in for the yeah. entirety of a lecture or is that parents being it could be a combination of both i assume too because they're like our our kids grades are dropping and the reasoning could be well yeah they don't I've have got, access to lectures we've got, or, we've got parents in our district honestly that don't believe we should be giving kids chromebooks as a district right and mm-hmm. so we have to uh, listen and talk with those parents. We have parents who believe our kids need to be fully online, right? Why do we even have schools? Why do we even have buildings? And kids can learn all the stuff anywhere they want. So we have all ends of the spectrum in that. And so as a job for me as a building principal, remember we have nearly, we're getting close to 1,100 students. And if 1,100 students are here, that means we have probably close to, you know, we have 2,200 parents for sure, Mm -hmm. if not more than that with separated and divorced families or remarriages and things like that. We're not going to please everybody, nor are we going to please every student. Um, What we have to look at ourselves is as a community of people who are learning and growing together. And uh, one of it comes out of safety, right? So there's a liability question that sometimes our district uh, officials have, like, we gave a kid a Chromebook. If a kid is researching things related to depression and suicide or other things, that's probably our job to have those concerns and try to find a way to help that student. Never would we want to not know something and not be able there to be able to help that student, right? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a burden of responsibility that we now feel we have because we've issued those things. I also believe in student privacy, though, to be honest with you, too. Um, kids, I think, have the misnomer conception that we just jump down and search kids' phones. I can tell you I haven't searched a kid's phone uh, maybe once or twice in 12 years, in all honesty, out of only a safety issue. So when it presents a safety issue for others besides that student, um, that's the only time. Never would I ever jump in and dive into privacy issues of students. In fact, I think I think sometimes – what we're doing almost infringes on that. And I get worried and nervous about that at times. So it truth be told, I am, I'm living and breathing it and swimming alongside our students and our staff and trying to figure out what this all looks like. Uh, when I was teaching in the early two thousands, I didn't have to worry about cell phones in the classroom. I didn't have to worry about, uh, kids having the ability to have a, something that I would argue is 
an outstanding learning device, entertainment device, and a device that we could use negatively too, right, uh, in front of us um, that the district even provided. Mm -hmm. We're navigating this as we go, and I really think your generation, in all honesty, and I've said this in front of you as a student body, is going to be intentional and mindful when you're when you have kids. I think you're going to learn from this pocket of time that maybe not this maybe isn't the best direction human civilization is always going to, um, mm -hmm. and we might rescind or repeal some of that back a little bit. And quite frankly, I hope we do. How often do kids have solid dialogue and, and conversations like this every time anymore? Mm -hmm. We're doing it too much through social media or too many ways. We're not connecting with human beings as much as we need to anymore. And on so many other levels, we are. Because I can go ahead and listen to this podcast or a kid from across the state or across the country might listen to this someday. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. So that whole level of connectivity is so there on a macro level. But we're missing the day-to-day -day conversations and the face-to-face -face interactions that I think we crave as human beings. And some kids are socially isolating themselves from that. And that's a worry for me. Yeah. I think an issue probably also stems from like kids our age or get they're so cavalier and they're so quick to accuse or get defensive about right. anything, any judgment that comes their way, whether it's um, the whole checking cell phone issues. It's like, that's my privacy and they'll get yeah. antsy about it. It's like no. nobody's trying to check your cell phone, yeah. but at the same time, you'll log into the Chromebook and you'll search a bunch of stuff that you don't want people to see. But it's not, it, 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 it's that question again, like who should have access to it and who shouldn't have access to it, which yeah. is really hard. I, I just think there's a lot of gray areas in society that like we just can't, there's too many to hone in on and it's just going to create problems for a long time. Look at, look at your parents, maybe not your parents, my parents, <laughs> Facebook is dead for our kids mostly, right? For yeah. high school generation kids, it's dead. And the reason is, is because all your moms are on it. Right. <laughs> and the reality is, is older generations are seeking that same gratification that the number of likes you get on your Instagram or whatever it is, or your streak with Snapchat or who else knows what you're else on. But our own parents now crave that same social acceptance or wanting to be liked or wanting to be heard. We're in a me generation, whether we want to admit it or not, like everybody can have their own social profile and present themselves like a celebrity did 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it's a whole different flip. It's a whole different shift. And I don't know if we all know what the impacts of that still will be. I worry a, about, yeah, I worry about the, the parent thing too, because a, a parent can log in, they can get an Instagram. And I know students in our grade students and that are all close to our age that have parents with social media accounts. And that parent, if they're somebody who's known within the community will instantly get so much unconditional appraisal and support yeah. from just the students. Like, just hyping the parent up, honestly. And I don't know, I don't know if that's a dangerous thing because then, you know, the parents used to be the ones that keep you humble. You know, mm -hmm. they used to be the ones that tell you in a, just a not sensitive way, like, Oh no, that's dumb. You shouldn't have to worry about that. That's stupid. Yeah. Just don't worry. But then they get sucked into it too. And I don't know, I don't know how, how I feel about it, especially because yeah, they can log on and instantly they can have a hundred people following them just because they're a parent. And it's like, it, it, it has the equivalent of like, a bunch of people standing around a puppy and everyone just like kind of clapping at it. 
I don't know if it's the right kind of support. I agree. And it can be completely misinterpreted by a bunch by everybody in the situation. Boundaries are blurred, mm-hmm. right? I, I tried Instagram over the holiday break. Um, I had it for three days and couldn't, I, I just, I didn't need it. Like, again, I got to that spot where I have Twitter only to help promote our district mm-hmm. from that side of things. I don't, I haven't had a Facebook account for eight years. I dropped it a long time ago. Um, I will not, I, 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 I don't anticipate getting a Snapchat account and having kids. Like, I just, I don't, I'm pulling myself from social media purposefully just because I, I, I see some inherent value in it and I don't see a lot of inherent value in it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've gotten back to simplifying my life and connecting with people face to face and caring about people. Cause it's the right thing to do. Um, great things can happen through social media. We can see that through a variety of different things. And, but at the same time, I can only occupy my time with so much in the day and I'd rather do it with human interactions and, and serving others. Have you ever had a, time when you thought about just like obviously your office is always open up to students yeah. that have problems or anything yeah. but ever just having like a day where you're i'm accepting anybody that wants to come in just talk it could be about the most random things yeah or even i was thinking because nolan and i we went to the to the middle school to talk to the eighth graders mm-hmm. about integration into the high school and yeah. whatnot have you ever considered doing like that we probably had it at one point like a shadow program at that school yeah um or doing it in the, like eighth grader coming up to a high school level or maybe just like almost buddy systeming it. Yeah. If you find the right people. We're talking, I think a lot more about that. Um, transitions are tough for kids these days. I mean, transitions in all avenues are tough, whether it's from eighth grade to ninth grade, whether it's whether you decide not to play football again, that's a transition and you get heat for that. Or if you do this or you're not in that and there's a whole nother level that I think adults, a lot of adults my age and older, including parents, don't understand. I think we, maybe me, I understand it just a little bit better, but I not even fully because I'm living around teenagers more often than others are. Mm-hmm. And I get to see teenagers with their guard down in school, right? You're, you, you are different here in so many facets and ways than you are in front of your parents, or in front of grandpa and grandma or other ways. And we get to see the real kids and who they are and how they behave. And some kids, again, we can talk about that too, live a facade life here. You guys are living double and triple in other lives. Like there's a Clayton favor here at River Falls High School. There's a Clayton favor in your social media presence. There's a Clayton favor in the eyes of your family. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it's almost like multiple personalities in some cases. And some kids can't cope with juggling all those personalities that they're trying to manage when they really know if they understood that they just really didn't have to do any of that just be yourself in all things that you are life gets a lot simpler mm-hmm. but they're, we're, i get it i get the social complex of adolescence and i understand the psychological sides of it that every kid wants to be accepted by everybody every kid wants to feel like they're in the cool kid group or other things but the sooner you realize uh you being you is the best possible way life life becomes very I don't want to say easy, but a heck of a lot better. I think there's a book that talks about that where it's um, everybody, there exists a different version of you in everybody's mind. Yeah. And it kind of like, it pokes at it in a fun way, almost like an existential existential crisis where you don't even almost have a sense of yourself because the self that you feel and that you live with every day could be completely different in somebody else's brain because they had one interaction with you and instantly engraved 
a picture of themselves in your mind. Yeah. And I, th- I don't know. I think that begs uh, – it's been really prevalent in my life just with, like, family and stuff because they had a lot of assumptions based on me were, like, early on good test scores. Mm-hmm. And then I had, like, high-level academics in my family in the past. And my grandma was actually the chancellor here at um, the university. Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of pressure on that because we grew up in River Falls at first before moving to Prescott. So it's just it's a it's an interesting dynamic. I don't know. It does make me think existentially sometimes, like kind of have a mental freak out. Yeah, just be sitting there and. Ugh. Nolan, can you relate? Oh yeah, big time. Especially with my dad being a pastor. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't want to do stuff that makes him look bad because he's, in my opinion, he's pretty influential to the community. So it's like, I try to, I'm more open around my family. Because they know me and I can trust them. But there's some stuff that at the high school I just don't talk about. Because that just might make my dad look bad. It's like, well, I don't want to do that. Because people trust him. People call him pastor and stuff. So I guess being more open at home and more secure or like closed off at the high school can be tough too. Because he's kind of a figure to the to River Falls. Not like huge, but... He impacts a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have you ever had the thing where um, almost like a legacy with we don't have kids, obviously, but you have kids. Do you want your kids to one day grow up and have a greater if one say one entered the same field as you have a greater legacy than you? Or do you ever worry about overshadowing Nolan like your parent in because you're going into the exact same field as yeah. him? Do you ever worry about like taking away value in his life, in his mind or in a public's mind? Uh my, I've talked to my dad about this. He's like, no, I want you to do more than I ever did and go way beyond I ever did. Because he's like, I, you saw me go here, and I want you to go beyond that. Just kind of the legacy through means. Like, I'm not worried about what how I look. It's, But I guess kind of with that, he just says he wants me to go further mm-hmm. and impact more people than he ever did. And he says I... I've already had more opportunities too. And he's just saying with those opportunities, just make the most of it. Cause I never had those. And he's said like, I had a dream. He said to me, he had a dream that I was a leader. Like, and he's like, okay, you will be further along than I ever was. And he said, I, this kind of sounds like a brag. So I don't no, really you're want to mean brag, but he's like, where you were, where you're at in high school right now is way beyond I was where I ever was in high school mm-hmm. and he kind I think he know realized and has kind of had a revelation that yeah God has called me to do more than he ever has before mm-hmm. I hope that doesn't sound like no it doesn't right. it just sounds like it's your place yeah Mr. Lidke any fear you don't fear your kids no like, your, I just legacies. want my kids to be healthy and happy and the word I always use is content, and some people use the word content like that means complacent. Yeah, I see contentment as um, satisfied with your service in what in all things you are as a human being and what you're doing. And so, wherever my kids experience contentment and success, uh, I'm fully supportive of. I, I I hope that they make a great impact. I think every parent wants that, right? Mm-hmm. sometimes people measure success by how much money you have or prestige or titles. And that's not the case. I think it's where you, where you feel you serve the world and make 
the world a better place. It doesn't matter whether it's in being an engineer or whether it's being a principal or a pastor or whatever it might be. Um, we just want to make it better, right? That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have no I, – I worry about my, my kids, uh, you know, having me as a building principal is different, you know, from a teacher side. If, you know, if I was just a teacher, that'd be one thing. But, you know, I worry about the pressures that my kids feel under that or what they hear about misconceptions of me and how I handle certain things. Or I know there's rumor mills like, oh, he didn't do this or he said this. And, you know, truth be told, if anybody has concerns, I'm always open and they can ask and I'm always going to be honest. But, um, you know, there, there's a definite pressure for my kids differently, I think, that being that I'm in this role. And they're going to this school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they're handling it well, but it wouldn't be fun to sit and hear some kid talk crap about your dad, yeah, who's yeah. the principal, right? Yeah. Even though it might be false or not right, or maybe they feel that way about me, you know. Um, and again, just like we shouldn't judge th- things on just one way we handle things or something. Um, I'm never going to make people happy. I'm not, not all people are going to be happy with some of the decisions mm-hmm. I have to make, right? All right? So that's a tough pressure, I think, for our kids to think about to be under, but. I believe it also makes them more resilient in understanding other people's perspectives and that we can agree to disagree and accept other people's differences too. So were there any pressures when they were in middle school with your, with Mrs. Lidke as a teacher? I don't think so. They both had her as a teacher, um, not at like his homeroom, but just for social studies and they were in her house six blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they enjoyed it. I think they got to see their mom in a different light and what she's passionate about. And I think my kids here get to see how, all the nights that I'm gone, they see the why. What I also, what I worry about is the resentment of me placing more time and emphasis in other kids' lives mm-hmm. above my own. And I think your dad probably feels that yeah. same way, Nolan, of yeah. he's serving others in a greater mission and passion, right? And making sure that he has that balance. That uh, That's my biggest fear is that I'm investing and all, I treat every kid like they're my own. Like I care about, I really care and love every kid in this building um, like they were my own because that's that's how I live and love kids. I love kids. That's why I'm in it. Yeah. But if I spend too much time, like I went to a band concert last night, right? Great band concert. My kids aren't in band. But I love going to a band concert and supporting our kids. But I also missed things at home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a, it's a fine line. Your dad probably walks that line every day too, right? I've even had like impact because... I've had times where it's like, why do you care more about those kids than you sometimes do me? And he's like, well, this is what I'm called to do. And just yeah. so we have a bigger impact. So it's like, okay, I see. But there's also times where it kind of sucks. But yeah, yeah. Just eye-opening to see like, okay, this is what he's called to do. Like, yeah. That's why he's here to impact them. And so just as much as he takes that time away, you know that, I know that I have to fill that time back mm, somewhere because yeah. if I keep taking that time away, I'm not, yeah. I'm not filling their buckets either, so to yeah. speak, you know, literally. So yeah, that's something I think about every single day, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. So I guess kind of transition, we got jump questions on it. for, uh, from Instagram. Bring it. <laughs> so this one, I think probably the most serious question is what is the most difficult thing about being the principal at RFHS? Um, I am a people pleaser and trying to serve a thousand students, a hundred staff and 2,200 parents Mm -hmm. is the most difficult job. I I drop everything that I have, any, anything 
that I'm interacting with, I give it my undivided attention the best way I can. Yeah. Sometimes I'm very self-aware to know that my mind is traveling off in different things, but I really try hard to make that person or a group or whomever it is feel like what they're talking about and what I'm listening to is the most important thing at that time. Juggling all of those balls in the air, though, to try to please all of those people, I sometimes feel like I'm mediocre at everything, and that bothers me a lot as a perfectionist and a type A personality where... I hate being mediocre at everything. Mm -hmm. I hate not being accessible to our staff as much as I'd like to be accessible. I, I don't like not having kids not see me in the hallways or in classrooms when I'm in my office or feeling like parents can come and talk to me or they talk through other people and then other channels. Mm -hmm. I want to be as open as and accessible as possible, and that's a, the greatest challenge I think I have is tending to all of these different things, not to mention my school board that I try to serve and my superintendent and these initiatives and all those things. Um, that's probably the biggest challenge that I have in leadership yeah. is that. Yeah, I can mm -hmm. kind of see that in my dad too, trying to yeah. please people. And obviously, he's only trying to lead 100 people and you, yeah. you're 1,000 like yeah. different parents and just even at that smaller scale. I agree. I see him just like, okay, yeah. everything's not going to be perfect. And it hurts him when like someone leaves the church or like for no reason, for like a small reason. He's like, okay, that hurts, but kind of the same. I have people that uh, sometimes think, you know, people in education have it easy, right? I must just sit in my office, hang out with kids and drink coffee all day, right? <laughs> um, what I try to do when I talk to those people who are not in education is, our district budget is about $40 million, right? And it's 3,300 students, and we have 1,100 of those students. So if you do the math in that, we're looking at a 12 to $14 million plus dollar organization just here that our team and I am primarily responsible for in managing and making sure it runs efficiently and making sure we're doing all those things. So... One way you could look at it from a private sector thing is more like a CEO and a manager of mm -hmm. all of those things mm -hmm. and trying to get all of that done. And our product is the most important product. We're not producing something that people buy in stores. We're, we're educating kids to be the best individuals they can be. And what greater responsibility can you have other than that? Right. What else you got from the world of Insta? Uh, <laughs> this one. So you saw Newsies. Who is your favorite character from Newsies? You know, I have to be honest. I did not get to Newsies this year. Oh, did? I did oh not. No. Um, that was so one miss I had on it. Um, I went in and saw some of the dress rehearsals, but I was gone um, and had other commitments. I think I had a conference that I attended during that time, and, and, I, and I had some family responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I've seen Newsies, like, on the show. I, could, I couldn't recall um, – one thing I will say about our drama and theater department, just in the last four or five years, what they've done is just blown my mind away and exceptional. Mm -hmm. To take it from where we were to where it is now is something that not only our kids should be proud of, but Miss Miller. And I love seeing it just grow the way it has. And um, again, that's a great venue for kids to just find just awesome opportunities for, for them to be their personal best. Mm -hmm. So sorry to my newsy fans out there. My apologies. <laughs> I know. I was, 
I was hoping you'd say crushing. one of the cast members, the yeah. one that asks it. Yeah, I'm we have sorry. to keep him anonymous. I'm, though. I'm honest. Promised. I'm honest. <laughs> Another question. This one, I'm curious. Why the no hat rule? Yeah, um, I'm old school on the no hat rule and the fact that um, I pride ourselves on that. You know, you can go to other schools and you can see that uh, that kids are wearing hats and things. But that's what I think makes River Falls great is that we hold ourselves to a higher standard of expectations than what others do around us and that's what makes great people the hat thing um it's a simple rule right if you take it to a whole nother level whether it's the hoods or the hat rule um imagine a thousand kids or 1100 kids wearing hoods and hats in our building and from a security standpoint us trying to address mm-hmm. who's where who walks into bathrooms who's stealing or breaking into somebody's locker if we had a thousand kids wearing hats and hoods we wouldn't be able to tell anybody on our security cameras. So a lot of it comes down to safety and security. But if I'm being honest, old school, um, I hope people aren't wearing hats in churches on Sunday. Um, I hope people aren't wearing hats in government buildings. And we're a public institution. And where I grew up, I don't have a My grandfather would never have allowed me to have a hat at a dinner table. Um, and so you might call me old-fashioned. You might call this district old-fashioned. I really feel like we challenge our students to live to high expectations of how we want to be our personal best. But if we're really getting down to it, if kids really want to know the why, again, just put 1,100 hats and hoods on kids in our building and ask me to identify kids who got into fights or got into that. And we don't have those things when they come up, but when they do, it's it's paramount that we have that ability to identify students in our security camera mm-hmm. systems because every kid deserves to have a safe environment. That's our number one rule. Every kid needs to feel safe in this building. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing my job. Um, that's the main reason behind that why on that one. Perfect. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I never thought of a thousand kids walking around. Right. Just think how we'd try to, it just, yeah. it'd be impossible. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. I think Nolan wants a fashionable beanie. And I, yeah. You guys don't see me outside of school often, but I put my flat brim hat on and I try to go incognito and I try to, you know, um, I love my fly fishing hats and stuff. And I get the whole hoodie thing. Everybody wanting to be like Carmelo Anthony and all those guys and Kanye and whatever. But um, I, I get it. I get it. Um, there's a time and a place for it. And in school, there's just right now is not the time or the place. Yeah. All right. Another question. Thoughts on people vaping in the back? Yeah. Um, I really wish, I I think we have an epidemic on our hands, to be honest with you. I think kids do not understand the harmful effects of vaping. Mm -hmm. I would just ask kids honestly to Google it. Like, go really look into it. And I use the analogy really bluntly. You have no idea what the chemicals are in that. It's not FDA approved. Um, One jewel pack is equivalent to a large amount of cigarettes. Like, Mm -hmm. we're talking like two packs. And I know we got kids that are just, you know, dropping a full jewel in one day. If I asked that same kid if they'd be willing to smoke two packs of cigarettes in a day, they'd honestly say, no way, Jose. Yeah. Right? And what's happening is is the the information is behind the the fad of vaping. And I think I I know our adolescents will look back at this and go, How foolish was I? I, I use the simple analogy of you don't know what chemicals are in, let's say a glade air freshener that's plugged in my office, right? Would you huff on that and suck on that not knowing what's in it? And most kids would be like, no way, not in a million years. Yet they do the same thing when it comes to vapes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the 
the it looks cool um it really doesn't hurt me it's water vapor that's a bunch of bs if you do the research the hard research on it and you really look at what's coming out the last six months the last year and a half it might be more detrimental than honestly smoking a cigarette and i don't think our kids know that um i really wish we could find better ways to have them understand that uh the vaping in the bathroom thing We've got some things in place that we're going to be putting in place, not only in trying out both this year and next, to try to take care of it. It's not that I wake up every day or Miss Gretz wakes up every day and says, I can't wait to bust kids vaping. <laughs> okay, That's not how we live our day. We don't do that. But I can tell you, and any kid who got caught by us this year, and they know this, I have co- what I call coaching conversations. We sit and talk about it the same way. Like, do you really know what you're doing? Do you really, why do, why do you do it? I get to the root cause of why. There's a reason why that kid is. And I'll be honest with you. Some of those kids have parents that do it. Some of those kids have addictive behaviors that are in their family genetics or where they're at, where they may have a dad that's an alcoholic or a mom that abused drugs in in the past. Or maybe it's because they think they just, the cool kids are doing it and they want to do it because the cool kids do it. And they're trying to live this social ladder thing that they really don't need to. Um, I know for a fact, I really in my heart of hearts know for a fact that if kids were really to question it, they'd know that it's not right for them to do. Um, I just ha- we have to find a way to get kids care- to care more about that mm-hmm. and care more about their personal health as opposed to their social status or what they think looks cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another one, this will be a quick one. Do you have games on your phone? I don't that I know of. My kids <laughs> sometimes sneak games on my phone. Um, a blessing and a curse of giving out my cell phone to a thousand kids this year is I got kids always asking me to play games with them. Send jump him, on. Yeah. Send I, him eight ball pool. Yeah, I got a lot of that. I I, w- I will admit I played a ton of Fortnite on my yeah. on my cell phone until all the other different versions came out where the guys on Xboxes are just kicking my butt now when they all went to the multi platform version. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm a yeah I'm a chump now compared to that, but I do jump. I used to I I did that not this summer but last summer with Fortnite with my kids. I was playing with my kids' friends and dominating. I'm not gonna lie, I was dominating. Um, I loved it. I loved it so much that I could see the addictive qualities yeah. of it. Right. I can see why my kids love to play it or jump on just silly games. Um, I understand how kids need to get away from things. I worry that we get embedded or involved in it to that level. Mm-hmm. If you were to ask my kids and my wife, I was playing a lot of Fortnite. I was in my summer break. I was cranking two, three hours a day, if not more at times, <sighs> just because I wanted to dominate. I'm a yeah. competitive son of a gun and I yeah. wanted to win. You know, I want to take down that six-year-old from Nebraska and, you know, <laughs> yeah, show him what's smack. up. He's talking smack to me, right? The sad part is, like, our generation would call his two to three hours, like, rookie numbers. Totally. Because, yeah, you know, kids it. sit down for a whole weekend, uh, just eight hours straight, yeah. have a little break yeah. to maybe eat a sandwich. Yeah, I played a lo- lot of Infinity Blade when that first oh, came that out. Really I loved doing that. And um, <laughs> I love playing games. If I had more time to play games, I would. Uh, I did when I was going in, when I was in college and in high school and um, yeah, I, I'm an old school Mario Kart fan, man. I will dominate you in Mario Kart. We'll have you back. I got yeah. thousands of hours into that. <laughs> I think we have to wrap it up though. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, we're out of time for questions. I just want to say, guys, I, I really appreciate the sincerity of you allowing me to come on, and and I hope 
kids get a better viewpoint of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I also appreciate all the things you're doing to showcase yourselves, River Falls High School, our community. Some of the awesome topics that you guys have had in your podcast, I think, are just great. And so I hope more people listen, and I hope this grows and into something very special. And you guys are the foundational people in that and so i just want to say great job thank, thank you. you so much and thanks so much for being really open not yeah. being afraid yes, to talk about you. yourself anytime no it's problem. amazing yeah the rant talks are the best ones and we yeah. just have a i have a problem with that sometimes <laughs> it's so. great practice but yeah thank you so much thank, yes, you. thank you and we will be uploading two episodes pre-recorded over spring break so we'll see you guys then nolan have a great week have a great spring break jesus loves you and be safe. Be safe. Bye, guys. <laughs>